Alright, tonight we're going to continue our study in the Gospel according to John. Uh, last week I completed a review of John 5, 33-47, and that was done by the doctrine of witnessing. And then when time expired, we were about to start on John 6, 1 through 14. So let's use 1 John 1, 9 as may or may not be necessary. Let us pray. Father, we're grateful for the privilege of being able to come together and to study Your Word. Guide and direct us now as we do want to study to show ourselves approved unto you, workmen who need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alright, now then, since we earlier studied the feeding of the 5,000, uh, I want to briefly review John 6, 1 through 14. Uh, and the reason that we studied it earlier, since we now have the actual scriptures relating to that, was because in John 4, 31 through 34, we had the statement from the Lord that my meat is to do the will of my Father and to finish His work. So that caused us to go into the study about bread and meat and so forth and and uh, so we did that. So I'm just going to hit it real quick. I did provide a, a, certainly a map of the Sea of Galilee because it's germane to the Lord going out and walking on the water. That'll be our next study. Uh, we'll move into that. But let me very quickly hit the highlights of John 6, 1 through 14, having already done it when we studied this Samaritan lady in John 4. Uh, where he talked about the meat. My meat. When they asked him if he wanted some food, remember. He said, my meat is to do the will of the Father and finish the work. Okay, John 6, 1. We will read through verse 14. Alright, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. You'll see the town of Tiberias there, just south of Magdala where Mary Magdalene got, I guess, her name. And then in verse 2 it says, And a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. The Passover was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one of us to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many people? Uh, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they did, and about five approximately 5,000. And Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And He did the same with the fish. So when they had enough to eat, they said to the disciples, gather the pieces. Actually, Jesus said, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. 
Matthew's account, by the way, is about 4,000 people. Uh, so we'll not get into that since we're studying John. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over with those who had eaten. So it's a very similar event that Matthew records. Of course, we have to understand that all the gospel writers wrote from their perspective what they wanted to write. They could have all written the same thing. And then that would have given, given everybody a chance to say, well, see, they just all made it up, you know. But since they didn't, it get, the people argued the other side, which is, see, differences in the Scripture. So you can't win for losing. Verse 14 says, After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Alright, in this chapter, John follows the same method as in the last uh, uh, situation that we talked about, which was the lady who was in Lebanon, what we call it today, the Syrophoenician lady. He relates the sign and then gives our Lord's interpretation as to the Samaritan woman, which again is... uh, over in chapter 4, and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so now to the Galileans, Jesus manifests himself as sent to communicate to human life, to man, life eternal. Alright, the sign by, by means of which he now manifests himself is, however, so new that many fresh aspects of his own person and work are disclosed. The occasion for the miracle arose because Jesus sought a time and a place of rest. Jesus had retired to the north side of the Sea of Tiberias, probably to a spot near Bethsaida, which you can see on our map. He needed some rest. But the people eager to see more miracles followed him round the head of the lake, and as they went, the number augmented by members of the Passover caravan, in other words, a group that was traveling to Jerusalem. And uh, this pursuit of an exhausted Jesus, instead of offending him, touched him. He saw them toiling up the hill in groups, one by one, some quite spent with the long, rapid walk, others dragging hungry children after them. But his first thought was, what can, what can we do for these tired people to refresh them? So he turns, therefore, to Philip with the question, Whence are we to buy bread that we may eat? Jesus said, in order to prove or test Philip, of course. Apparently this disciple was a shrewd businessman, quick to calculate ways and means, and rather apt to scorn the expectations of faith. Every man must rid himself of the defects of certain qualities emanating from his old sin nature. So Jesus gave Philip an opportunity to overcome his weakness, Philip, like many another, missed his opportunity. Wholly oblivious to the resources of Jesus, cast his eye rapidly over the crowd and estimated 200 penny worth, roughly 15 cents, would scarcely suffice to give you enough to buy bread. All right, Philip's friend Andrew suggests that the whole provision he can hear of in the crowd is a little boy's five loaves and two fishes. In other words, he had five baguettes, if you will, and two fishes. So Philip's friend Andrew suggests that the whole provision he can hear of in the crowd 
That's it. So these helpless, meagerly furnished, meager in food and meager in faith are said in contrast to the calm faith and infinite resources of Jesus. The ground is thus prepared for the miracle in the confessed inability of the disciples and of the crowd. Jesus takes the matter in hand with an air of authority and calm purpose which must have impressed the onlookers. Make the men sit down, he said. And there on a grassy spot near the left bank of the Jordan and just where the river flows into the Lake of Galilee, many in their crowd began to sit. With the evening sun sinking behind the hills of the western shore and the shadows lying across the darkened lake, the multitude broke up into groups of hundreds and fifties thinking that somehow food is about to be furnished. They Remember, this is a, the Lord who had a reputation of miracles. And uh, they figured, well, he probably can do it again. I suspect many others doubted, I'm sure. So they seat themselves as they who expect a full meal, not a mere snack. Though where that meal is going to come from, who could tell? So this expectation must have deepened in faith and the thousands listened to their hosts to give thanks over five loaves and two fishes. I suspect that when he started giving thanks, they thought, I think the guy's serious, you know. But he then, as he proceeded to distribute the ever-multiplying food, which we don't know how that happened. Uh, obviously, we know it's a miracle, but I don't know the specifics of what the food did, you know. Whether or not they just kept, every time they took something out of the basket, something appeared. But it gave way to, oh, surprised and excited comments. So the little, the little lad, I think about him, as he, of course, had brought the paltry lunch thought golly what a story I'll have to tell when I get home you know alright now then so much for review let's see what we can learn from John 6 15 through 25 alright this is going to be a story uh, that's famous because it involves a uh, Jesus walking on the water, and then if we go to other accounts in the Gospels, we also see Peter tried it. But uh, I think that's mainly in Matthew. So let's read together. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone, meaning he went up the mountain, in my opinion. He went, try to get more seclusion because he thought these people are going to make me king right now and that's not the way God has he, I've got to go to the cross uh, it's not time and when evening came his disciples went down in, unto the sea in other words they walked down to the shore and uh, they entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. You can look at the map and see how they were cutting across to Jesus' home in Capernaum. And it was getting dark and Jesus was not with them. And uh, many people saw that he wasn't with them. So and the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. And we know that from... from uh, 
records that existed that exist today that that can happen on the Sea of Galilee. A sudden storm. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near unto the ship, and they were afraid. But he said unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship. And immediately the ship was at the land where they went. So that certainly tends to indicate another miracle. The ship got in high gear right away and moved across the sea. So the day following when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there, save that one whereunto his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone. Therefore they came, or there came other boats from Tiberias, near unto the place where they did eat bread. After that the Lord had given thanks. In other words, where the feeding took place. So people arrived there and word spread that something's going on. So when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? So he didn't get into the boat. The disciples left. Jesus, of course, as we know from previous studies, uh, certainly he walked across the water. We know from Matthew that Peter saw him. And uh, Jesus said, well, come on. And he walked out on the water until his faith faltered, and then he sunk. And Jesus helped him. So this is one fine miracle uh, in many respects. Unexplainable except to say it's a miracle. Alright, now let's, ha- let's, let's wrap it up, read through verse 25 in the New International Version, which makes, makes it easier on us. So, so Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. Well, but now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed three or three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat. He was walking on the water and they were afraid, but he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. So it's pretty clear he got into the boat and zoop, he moved over to Capernaum. So the next day the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake recognized that the only one boat that had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias, which you can see on our map, landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So they went to the place where the miracle occurred, which would only be natural. So once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boat and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked, Rabbi, 
when did you get here? And maybe also, how did you get here? All right. Now then, let's take a point or two. Jesus walks on the water. Jesus, knowing that there were those who intended to come and make him king by force, made him withdraw to a place of solitude, probably to higher ground. In other words, moving up the mountain. And then when evening came, his disciples went down the mountain to the lake's shore where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. But now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed three and a half miles, making little progress, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were terrified. Our Lord said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Recognizing him, they took him into the boat and immediately and quite miraculously, the boat reached the shore near Capernaum. So the next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered with his disciples. Then several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. So when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when and how did you get here? Natural question. The disciples pressed Jesus to take food, but he declined on the grounds that he had nourishment of which they were ignorant. Same thing he told the Syrophoenician lady. I have food. My father's food. Uh, So he does, he relates the event with the doctrine. Alright, the Lord in John 6, 26 through 40 astounds his disciples and hopefully unbelievers everywhere. So let's see what we've got here. Beginning in verse 26. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. In other words, I fed you. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On Him, God the Father has placed His seal of approval. Then they ask Him, what must we do to do the works of God? In other words, works God wants us to do. And his answer, Jesus answered, the work of God is this. Wonderful statement. To believe in the one he has sent. Wow. So they ask him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. Quote, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. 
And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. So all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And I will raise Him up at the last day. Okay, I believe the best way to study these verses, 6 through, I'm sorry, chapter 6, 26 through 40, is to review how bread is used in Scripture. Alright, bread, meat, and food are used often in Scripture, both literally of food to nourish the physical body and metaphorically for spiritual food to nourish the soul. Example, bread can be found more than 300 times in the Bible. Of that 300, it appears 75 times in the New Testament. Some of you may remember when we studied John chapter 4. It was here Jesus spoke of sowing and reaping, a process which produced food. The Lord used the process to teach a Samaritan lady about food from heaven. And that's what presented us opportunity to study the five and four thousand briefly. And then uh, we read the scripture again to refresh our memories. So Jesus was in a land which was originally given to Israel as part of the promised land. Because of the defeat of the northern kingdom by Assyria, Samaria was born. You'll remember 721. The Assyrians came down and defeated the northern kingdom and thus you can see the map of Samaria and the city of Samaria. Alright, so Jesus traveled there where he presented his kingdom message. And that, of course, where he encountered a Samaritan lady who wanted more doctrine. And John will help us better understand food from heaven. Alright, the map of Samaria. You can see how it's related to Galilee, Decapolis, Perea, and Judea. Alright, the NIV, John 4.34, My food said Jesus is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. That's what He told the disciples who came and found Him talking to this Samaritan lady. He said, you have meat. My food is different, Jesus said. So He had been doing this in their absence as He spoke with the Samaritan lady. He now must explain the difference between that which enters the stomach and that which enters the soul. Colonel R.B. theme called the process metabolization. Metabolization of Bible doctrine. And you know we've explained that on more than one occasion, but there may be somebody out there who doesn't realize that taking in the Word of God is very much like eating food. In other words, the dinner bell rings and you come to church or you go sit down. And then someone provides you the food. And then you eat the food. You chew the food. Just as you uh, swallow, 
All by grace, the epiglottis moves and sends it down the esophagus rather than the trachea. You didn't have to say epiglottis. Send this down the, to the stomach. And of course, in the stomach, it gets in the bloodstream and then it bathes all the various cells and you function. Same with Bible doctrine. You come, you sit down, you listen, you name your sin back to God, you take in the Word, and God takes care of getting it to the right place where you need it. So it's just such an excellent, excellent, as are so many of the Colonel's teachings. All right, now let's go to go on. The Lord, in conversing with the Samaritan, called the process sowing and reaping. Four months till harvest would be a normal expectation in the natural realm. But by lifting up their eyes, the disciples could see a harvest already white and ripe for reaping. The NIV of John 4.35 reading through verse 38. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life. So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. And that's true today. Many people sow and others reap what someone has sowed. So we just ought to be ready to give an answer to every man according to uh, his desire, what he wants. Be ready to give an answer to every man who asketh you anything concerning the hope that is in you. So you tell them, maybe you'll reap and that person will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ at that point or maybe somebody else later. But the point is, as we study from our doctrine of witnessing, and I refer that to you as a study, an excellent study. It has so many, many wonderful salvation scriptures at the end of that doctrine. All those things you hear me quoting from time to time in the invitation and during the 11 o'clock hour, etc. They're there. I remember Jim Cooper was always very interesting and interested in asking me, he said, can't you put all those down somewhere so I can see them all in one place? And of course I did, and he was interesting in witnessing to all of his family. And uh, uh, when they'd have a family gathering in Gatesville, he would, uh, north of Waco, of course, he would uh, have opportunity to witness to all of his brethren. All right, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now he had been doing this in their absence as he spoke with the Samaritan lady. He now must explain the difference between that which enters the stomach and that which enters the soul. Colonel Theme called the process again metabolization, excuse me, metabolization of Bible doctrine. Alright, the Lord then in conversing with the Samaritan called the process sowing and reaping. Let me read 4, 35, 36, 37, and 38. All right, again. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And you see that today. And you see God answering it. I'm just always amazed that here we are amidst 
total, total turmoil in our country. Sheer idiocy. And yet, boom, it comes on TV. Boom, it comes on TV. Boom, it comes on TV. Telling people how to get saved in various ways. Alright, uh, in spiritual work, sower and reaper are ordinarily different persons who rejoice together in what their combined efforts accomplish. Again, John 4.35, reading through 38. Now here in Samaria and many other locations, the disciples, although not the sowers of the seed, will perhaps later participate in reaping, thus with us. Jesus manifests himself as sent to communicate to man life eternal. The sign by means of which he now manifests himself often takes various forms. And if you have opportunity to witness, you are, as I said, taught last week, successful. So we spoke to some of these processes last week under the doctrine of witnessing. Now let me provide some closure of not just how Jesus used food processing such as sowing and reaping in his witness in Samaria, but I want to point out how he took the message directly to the heart of this poor but seeking lady, the woman of Samaria. So let's go back to John 4. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? He did also, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds. Alright, John, verse 4, verse 13. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Here he's getting to the essence of the matter here. Go. Call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. But for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now has come in fact. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. 
The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Now I think you should mark that in your Bibles because that's one of those many places, several, where Jesus said, in fact, he is the Messiah. All right, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. So here was a witness. She's going to be a witness. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, Rabbi, eat something. But he said, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. All right. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, four four months more and then the harvest, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the field, they are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages, even now he harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I send you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So, so much for the Samaritan lady. Now let's return to the original context, the sixth chapter of John. The doctrine of bread of heaven. John 6 We'll begin with verse 24 and read all the way through chapter 6, verse 46, 47, and then always into the 57th verse, 58th verse actually. Alright, let's see what we got here. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him the God, on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they ask him, what must we do to do the works of God and the works that God requires? Here's that same verse that I said was the one you ought to mark. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Well, they ask him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? All right, our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, 
From now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will but to do the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me. That I shall lose none of all that He has given me but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in me shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. At this the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets. They will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. In fact, no one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. Notice verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone gets of this bread, eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Oh my, then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. Okay, John follows the same method as he did with the Samaritan woman and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So now he's going to do the same thing to the Galileans. Jesus manifests himself as sent to communicate to man life eternal. The sign of which he now manifests himself is, however, so new that many fresh aspects of his own person and work are disclosed. But the people, they were eager to see more miracles. They followed him round the head of the lake and as they went their number was augmented by members again of that Passover caravan which was forming in the neighborhood or was already on the on the march. So this inconsiderate pursuit of Jesus instead of offending him touched him. 
And as he marked them toiling up the hill in groups of one by one, some quite spent with the long and rapid walk, mothers dragging hungry children after them, his first thought was, what can these poor, tired people go or where and what can refresh them? And that's when he turned to Philip, you remember. And then apparently this disciple who was, quote, a shrewd businessman, some say, quick to calculate means and rather apt to scorn the expectations of faith, uh, which of course every man needs to rid himself of various defects in his own personality, qualities, etc. And Jesus now gave Philip an opportunity to overcome his weakness in strength by at least boldly confessing his inability and the Lord's ability because he said, we have neither meat nor money, but we have thee. Whoa! But Philip, like many another, missed his opportunity and wholly oblivious to the resources of Jesus, cast his eye rapidly over the crowd and estimates that 200 penny worth of bread would scarcely suffice to give each enough to stay immediate cravings. Philip's friend Andrew, as little as himself, divines the intention of Jesus and naively suggests that the whole provision he can hear of in the crowd is that little boy's five loaves and two fishes. So these helpless, meagerly furnished, and meagerly conceiving disciples, meager in food and meager in faith, are said in contrast to the calm faith and infinite resources of Jesus. Alright, the moral ground being thus prepared for the miracle in the confessed ability of the disciples and of course the crowd, Jesus then took the matter in hand. With that air of authority and calm purpose which must have impressed the onlookers, He says, make the men sit down. And there where they happened to be and without further preparation on a grassy spot near the left flank of the Jordan and just where the river flows into the Lake of Galilee, when the evening sun seeking, sinking behind the hills on the western shore and the shadows lying across the darkened lake, the multiple break up into groups of hundreds and fifties and seats themselves in perfect confidence that somehow food is going to be furnished. So they seat themselves as those who expect a full meal and not a mere stack. All right, so much for what we learned with reference to that feeding of the 5,000 duplicated with the feeding of the 4,000 elsewhere in the book of Matthew and also how it related to the, to the lady in Lebanon. All right, and we'll pick up again in John chapter 6. Uh, next week, the Lord willing, the creek doesn't rise. Let's Go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are grateful for the opportunity to come together and to study Your Word. Now, as usual, we will certainly speak to You about believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Scripture is very clear. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through faith alone in Christ alone. So again, 
I would urge you, if you've not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, that you do it right now. Or as we've often said, is there any reason why you shouldn't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ right now? And of course there is none, except your negative volition. So believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Now for our benediction. Father, we're grateful for the privilege of being able to come together and to study Your Word. I would certainly ask that You would take that which I've presented, make it real, in order that we might grow in Your wonderful grace and become more like our Lord and Savior, even Jesus the Christ. Amen.